Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I would be bitten by a radioactive cuttlefish. I'm Eric, and instead of being bitten by a dumb animal, I'd rather build my suit like a smart guy. Like a villain. Like a smart guy. And what would your suit be? I don't know, a winning one? Well, what animal? Or four? Come on, you have to pick one. Oh, I didn't think I'd have to pick one. I don't know. Mechanical spider, how about that? So you'd be Dr. Spider. Who's Dr. Spider? And he's a villain, obviously, that Spider-Man fights. I was going to say, I know he he does... Spider-Man basically fights uh, animals or whatever. You got Vulture, Scorpion, Rhino. Those are people in robot suits of those animals. And they're also villains. And I stand by my statement, Eric is a villain. Confirmed. Well, yeah, we kind of knew that. You want to step in, Richard? Yeah, I mean, I'm Richard, and I would be bitten by a radioactive squirrel. Oh, yeah. You want to be Squirrel Girl? Uh, the unbeatable. That's true. She did beat Thanos. And that's ca- canon in her non-canon universe. But you'd still be Richard, so you'd be Squirrel Richard. Squirrel Boy? Squirrel Boy. Squirrel Man? There we go. Man yeah. Squirrel? Where Squirrel? The amazing Squirrel Man. And you'd be Dr. Spider, even if you weren't a doctor? It's an honorary degree. It still counts. As long as you can build your own robot suit, you're a doctor. Yeah, I guess that qual- Like that makes sense. I don't think engineers get called doctors, though. They're more like, I don't know. Well, if the, the highest class of engineers are ones who happen to have doctorates in engineering. It's a thing you can do. And they, they're still called doctors. Okay. You have a doctorate, you're a doctor. Just not a medical doctor, not an MD. You're, you have a PhD. But yeah, if anyone in the... Uh, education system top the uh, director of education listening to this think about that robot suit doctorate well i mean look at tony stark i mean but he actually has doctorates yeah that's true he graduated like 15 but if you haven't figured from our bitten by and robot suits today we're talking about spider-man not just any spider-man but the 2002 um sam raimi spider-man Arguably the best Spider-Man. Well, no, okay, not the best Spider-Man. That goes to number two. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man. But this was a close runner-up. Yeah. So uh, what's this movie about, Eric? Well, this movie is about learning that with great power comes responsibility. Because Uncle Ben, before he gets shot, wants to instill in Peter that with great power comes great responsibility. Unfortunately, Peter doesn't realize that with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, by the way... They mention with great power comes great responsibility in this movie. But this is the start of the non-Marvel Spider-Man movies. Well, he's still Marvel, not MCU. Yeah, not MCU. MCU didn't exist at this point. So it's the Sony one. So Spider-Man in 2002 was when superhero movies started becoming profitable again. I mean, we had the first X-Men. I think that came out 2001. But Spider-Man 2 just blew it out of the water, I think. I don't actually know the numbers, but... I don't know the numbers either, but I'm going to concur with you there that Spider-Man 2, or Spider-Man made it so they were profitable, and that's where we got like X-Men 2 and the Dark Knight trilogy. The Dark Knight trilogy came out in 2004 or 5. Yeah, because it followed up after, you know, oh, Mm. we can actually make money off of a superhero film again because of Spider-Man. But maybe Richard should fact check that. What actually happens in this movie, Eric? So in this movie, Spider-Man, it's his origin story. They kill Uncle Ben. He's sad about that. But 
to be fair, they kill Uncle Ben in most Spider-Man movies, except for the MCU. There, where least, he's already dead. Where he's already dead. So we didn't have to go through that again. But Spider-Man. It's this movie is about Spider-Man learning how how to be a Spider-Man. He, ha 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 ha. He meets his arch nemesis and then kills him. Well, no, he doesn't kill him. The arch nemesis kills himself, but it ends up setting a an overall trend with his best buddy who hates Spider-Man, but loves his best friend, Peter Parker, who is definitely not Spider-Man, even though you haven't seen them in the same room together. To be honest, there's a lot of people who have not been in the same room as Spider-Man. I mean, I haven't been in the same room as Spider-Man. Uh, well, there you have it, guys. Spider-Verse confirmed. Yep. But yeah, so Spider-Man is a hero, and the first hero in the, the Marvel Universe, except for the really bad TV Avengers movie, which looks really bad. And there it came was out... actually Hulk movies before this? When did the... No, I think the uh, first there was Hulk... Captain America. Uh, well, the Captain America wasn't a wide release, or like an official release ever. It was one of those made for the... To keep the rights, I think. Yeah, but the Hulk had actual theatrical releases added the swamp thing was there a swamp thing yes there was a swamp thing Hmm. i I think i'm thinking of the toxic avenger which is toxic avenger is not a not i don't know if they're even dc it might be dark horse anyways this is kind of going off topic yeah we're way going off topic there anyways uh you had the the hulk which and you know even you mentioned x-men is marvel and it came out like a year earlier yeah that's true and so it was the Foxy X-Men. Then you had the Sony X-Men. And, well, those made a, a whole bunch of money during then. So let's get some actual facts, Richard. All right. So Spider-Man, the motion picture, uh, came out on the 3rd of May in 2002. Had a estimated budget of $139 million to pay for their really fancy CGI and less fancy Power Ranger villain outfit. Yeah. But in its opening weekend, it earned $114 million of it back, and then grossed in the U.S. alone over $400 million, worldwide looking at over $800 million. So, made some monies. Yeah. Especially good, in that time period. It was a good four-to-one return on their money, so Spider-Man was profitable. I do want to say, though, I was one of those people in that opening weekend. Me too. I don't think I saw it opening weekend, but I know I saw it in theaters. Any more interesting facts about this Spider-Man? So this was the first Marvel movie that had the flipping Mar- flipping pages Marvel logo. Okay. Uh, Stan Lee starts his uh, cameo career mm-hmm. up on the balcony when we're uh, murdering some board of directors. He wasn't in uh, X-Men? Uh, I don't believe so. I, th- I swear he was in X-Men. Anyways, let's not worry about that now. We'll, do that. we'll save that for we'll the X-Men We'll fact check show. in a minute. Yeah. But... The other thing was that Tobey Maguire took the job because he liked the script. He had never read anything about Spider-Man before the film. How do you not read anything about Spider-Man? Spider-Man, like, and this is objectively, like, fact. Spider-Man is the most popular MCU character. Even people who don't read comic books know about Spider-Man. He knows who Spider-Man yeah, well, is. Let's just say he but knew he's it. never read anything like, Spider-Man. How many he Spider-Man never comics, the movie. Like, how many Spider-Man comics have you read? Absolutely, absolutely none. But I did watch the cartoon, the but, Saturday so, morning cartoon. So yeah, but he said he'd never read anything. He's about never it. read any Spider Man, and he didn't watch a cartoon. See, I watched the Saturday morning cartoon. Where so, so you know a bit more. Yeah, Peter Parker is like super swole. 
but he's still a nerd. And uh, Toby Maguire said that he had a big serious problem with the upside down kiss in the rain because his sinuses kept filling with water. Basically, he got waterboarded to try and get kissed by MJ. You know, waterboarding sounds like fun until you actually realize what it is. Yeah. Uh, did he say it was worth it, though, was the question. Uh, he did not mention whether he was for or against. Either for the kiss or the paycheck. I wonder how much he was actually making. Probably quite a bit. Anyways, we should probably move into the plot holes. That's what you're all here for, I think. I hope. Or are you just here for our uh, witty banter? Eric's well, they're waiting leads. a long time for that. Eric's... Uh, Villainous acts. Yeah, the fact that Eric is a low-key villain because he'd have the robot suit. And you know that means you're a bad guy? Well, what about Iron Man? He's not a bad guy. I mean, sure, he does bad things, but... And he builds villains. It's that hubris thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, let's not talk about Iron Man. We'll talk about that movie at another time. Yeah. Anyways, we should start off... Oh, so we are getting our plot holes from trusty old IMDb. And a 2016 article from Bustle about uh, plot holes that they hadn't thought about the first time they watched it. Alrighty, first plot hole. So in the wrestling scene, you can see men putting giant chains and padlocks to lock the cage. But when Spider-Man is declared the winner, the cage goes up and opens when no one has removed the padlocks. So, here's the thing about showmanship. You know like a magician, when he puts locks on that box... But they don't actually stop him because that's not how you get out. It's all part of the show. So that's what I think it is. It's the grandiose, um, here we're putting these locks and these padlocks and these chains on this cage. But they're not actually affixed to anything, so they're not going to stop anything from happening. They're just there for show. Also, that place is really, uh, it seems like they're a stickler for like not being sued. That's why they have all the wrestlers sign waivers saying you can't sue us. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if they had put actual padlocks on the cage, that's a fire code violation, and they could have been sued for that. That just lends credence to the they're actually fake. Yeah, the, like they might be real chains, but like they're just putting them in spots where it looks like it's holding the door shut or just to give that impression. But they wouldn't actually stop you from leaving if you really tried. Like Maybe it's just around the corners of the, the posts, but the cage isn't actually in between them. Yeah. yeah. All right. So apparently wrestling isn't real, guys. Oh, wait, we talked about it on the Frozen episode. Yeah. Next up, when Peter is practicing his web slinging in his room and he catches the lamp, or he catches the lamp with the webs to pull it towards him, it doesn't move very fast, but then it moves like it's going to fall on the ground. But then when we shot back, shoot back to Peter for the sh- um, shot, uh, um, it speeds a lot faster and he misses it. Also, why doesn't Aunt May like, see all the webs slung around his room when she looks through the door? First off, Aunt May is really old, so she probably can't see very well anyways. She's not wearing her reading glasses? Exactly. Or her driving glasses? Or her glasses in general? Do we ever see her drive? I think in the second movie we do. Okay. But that doesn't count because that's the second movie. Yeah, in the first one, we never see her drive because... So maybe she can't drive anymore because her vision's starting to get bad? She has an outdated prescription. Doesn't feel safe to drive. Oh, yeah, and since they're... Aunt May is responsible. And they're very thrifty, so she's waiting to get it. When she, you know, she needs to, or a rainy day, or when Uncle Ben actually dies and she has to become more self-sufficient. Yeah, I don't think Aunt May can see anything. So that's why she doesn't see that. But what about that lamp? Slow lamp, fast lamp. Well, it's almost like his webs are elastic and springy, like we see literally any other time he's web slinging around the city. So it would start with a slower acceleration, 
as it begins to contract and speed up as it gets pulled quicker. Yeah. Especially if he's trying to like yank it towards himself, then it has the elastic plus his force of acceleration. Which he might be doing as he pulls it at a slow speed and then it starts to fall and he's like, oh wait, I gotta pull this harder. And then he misses because he wasn't expecting that change that fast. Especially when he pulls with his enhanced spidey strength. Yeah, and so he's practicing and that's why he misses catching it. But he got the, the can because he figured out the can's weight really quick. And it was a Dr. Pepper and you can't spill Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that's a party fell. So speaking of which, good job, Dr. Pepper, on sponsoring that movie. You did a you made a good choice on that one. Yeah, sponsor us too. We could be a good and or bad choice. Uh, you just imagine us sitting here drinking Dr. Pepper while talking about stuff. Everyone would know, hey, these guys are drinking Dr. Pepper. It's not quite visual, but we tell people we're doing it. As Richard grabs his Dr. Pepper. All right, so next plot hole. So we move over to the bustle list. Why doesn't Peter tell anyone about the spider bite? He receives a nasty spider bite from a missing, scientifically engineered spider in a lab, so why doesn't he let any of the scientists or teachers know? Or at least go see a doctor? Or why does he hide it from his aunt? It's a nasty spider bite. Might want to get that looked at. Is it a nasty spider bite, though? It looks like just a spider bite. I mean, like, there's no swelling. He obviously isn't in extreme amounts of pain. There's no, like, he just gets tired, but having, you know, gone through puberty and growth spurts and stuff that sort of thing just happens and his skin isn't going necrotic like from other spider bites so you guys have been bitten by spiders i assume oh yes yes. i know i was bitten by spiders a whole bunch when i would play night games in high school and you know what you kind of just got over it it's just a spider bite yeah most spiders aren't actually harmful to you so yeah that this assumes a lot for instance that he figured out right away that the spider that bit him was uh, um, the one that went missing, or was the special spider? I just think this person who wrote this article is probably kind of a sissy and thinks that every single spider bite is the end of the world. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a little bit worse than a mosquito bite, but not much worse. What also I think depends on the type of spider, too. Like, some of them you're not even really going to notice. We're not in Australia. How about that? Yeah, and neither is he. And as for, I mean, he does kind of get lightheaded and feel sick but he's mostly focused then on um the fact that he wants to get home to sleep and so he really can't think about other things because it's just a if i have to explain something to aunt may i am an extra couple steps away from getting to my bed because i need to pass out at that point he's just singular minded he wants to go to sleep but after he goes to sleep he wakes up and finds the next plot hole which is why does peter's vision improve so uh why does he get stronger? Yeah, why does he get six swole abs? Why does he have spider sense? Why can he shoot webs out of his wrists? That is not where spider silk comes from it on most not. spiders. We don't want to go into that. We want the, this. Oh, is a I was gonna actually going to look something up there because so like on your wrists about is one place where they put a uh, perfume. Oh, um, and isn't that because there's a gland there? I think. Oh, is it? A, it's not a lymph node, but there is something uh, there that. Like, um, it can, it'll take the perfume throughout your like entire body. So maybe that's like the, that's why the wrist there is because those glands just happen to be the ones that were modified. Or the writers didn't want to have to have Peter Parker develop the web, web slinger. Yeah. Tools. The actual, like where he that developed That was too it. nerdy. Yeah. Well, that, I think that would have taken another like 30 minutes of oh, just, just one montage, I think. 
we already another have... five minutes of screen time. Yeah. But we know, and you can just shoot it out. But yeah, but it's probably because his vision, like his poor vision, was genetically predisposed that way. And so when he's modified genetically, it goes away. I think that makes sense. I mean, and maybe if he hadn't had bad vision to begin with, his vision would have been really, really good. In the lab scene, when the lady scientist is going around talking about the powers that the spiders have, one of them is about like extreme vision increase, right? Yeah. So it's almost as if they set it up that he was going to get better vision. But I don't know. Maybe they only watched it half a time and didn't even listen to that. All right. So here's a question. Why doesn't Peter Parker impress Mary Jane with his powers? I mean, he's crushing on this girl and now he's got these powers. Why doesn't he try to impress her? Like he bought that. Or he wanted to buy the, the car to impress her. Well, he kind of did that in the the school fight. Like, he wasn't trying to impress her, but um, just all of his newfound powers, he was kind of showing off for her. And And his powers scared people. Mm -hmm. And there was a downside, and then his uncle was mad at him. And he found out that with great power comes great responsibility. And great responsibility means not using your special powers to impress girls. I mean, he even tried to do it, like, right after he got bitten, right? I don't, well, never mind. He didn't know he had powers at that point. Yeah, he was still figuring out awkwardly. But this is also still in the superhero time where the superheroes needed to keep their identity secret. Like that changed with the, the Iron Man movie, but uh, Spider-Man still is trying to keep all his his secrets. Yeah, he doesn't want people to know he has these weird powers. Because they might think he's weird. Or they could go after his loved ones. Though, to be honest, Mary Jane is impressed by Spider-Man. And when he's got that suit on, he doesn't uh, skimp on his saving her and showing off. So I guess uh, anonymous culture lives on. Spider-Man can be his true self once he uh, once he puts on the, ma- the mask. And that means he is, in fact, a menace. J. Jonah Jameson was correct. Spider-Man's at fault. All right. So why isn't Norman Osborn implicated for all of his crimes? I mean, as the Green Goblin, he uses his own company's technology to kill members of a rival company during a field test against his company's product and then kill mo- the board members of his own company who called for his- calls for him being ousted from his company. How come nobody tracks this back to Norman Osborn? Who says they didn't track to a point, but then the like trail went dead? Because, for instance, the, the flight suit, the, the glider disappears... Before any of the major events. Um, and they don't know who take who took it because they, well, they mentioned it was stolen and the other scientist was killed. So Yeah, and they had, you know, people who were there witnessing him waking up at his house and being completely taken by surprise by this turn of events. And as a result, like, questioning him, he wouldn't be lying if he said, I have no idea what happened. I was at home at that time. I mean, what witnesses were there at the destruction of the rival company's display that lived? Um, the, his ouster wasn't officialized at all before they died. Yeah, they're not going to announce. They said, we expect you to announce your resignation within 30 days. So no one else knows about that besides the board members. And so when it comes to time, I mean, there's there's no actual evidence that he did anything wrong. I mean, they look at it, but they come to a point and be like, uh, why would he do this? He's been in this business for so long. What's the motivation? But wait, we saw him kill those people. It was on the movie. Wait, we saw, but the investigator didn't. 
Oh, man, if only... Plus it was the Green Goblin that killed all those people. That's yeah. true. They're two different people. Even though I've never seen... Actually, no, I was going to say you haven't seen them both in the same room together, but no, you have. Yeah. At least we have, not the investigators. Anyways, yeah. this is a dumb one. Yeah, that's, that's not all that great. It's like, uh, because there wasn't a lot of evidence. How They might have figured out eventually, like given time, but then... What's the time frame of the Spider-Man movie? Like, is it over a month? Is it over... It's unclear. It like actually, it's over at least a year because Spider-Man is in high school, graduates, and is going to college for the second half of the movie, trying to work odd jobs. So I was just wondering if the movie was in a shorter period of time. Maybe they were getting closer and closer to Norman, but yeah, we and just don't know. Investigations do take time, especially if there's not a whole lot of evidence. I mean, it's a glider jet. You don't leave footprints with a glider jet. But it does leave Not a lot trails. of genetic evidence left behind, like hairs or skin, or especially with the huge crowds. It would mostly be, you know, conspiracy theory. Some some investigator has this board set up, a whiteboard with all these strings everywhere, and Norman's in the middle, but there's no evidence, and everyone laughs at him for saying that uh, Norman Osborn is the Green Goblin. And, so, then, and then after the Green Goblin disappears and Norman dies... He's all like, see, see proof, and they're like, it's just coincidence. Anyways, speaking, well, not speaking of coincidence, but the next plot hole is, how does Peter make his costume? It's been established that Peter Parker is poor. Um, Richard, another fun fact, how much did that actual costume cost to make? Several thousand dollars. So apparently Spider-Man is strolling around in a several thousand dollar suit, whereas Peter Parker has to... Use a payphone to, to talk to his family. Well, like at that time, only like the cool kids had cell phones, anyways. I mean, they had Nokia's that were like five hundred dollars. But anyways, besides the point. Yeah. Um. Well, one thing. Um. What does this material for a suit come from? What is it? It's definitely spider silk. It's spider silk. He made it himself, all the way. Gross. Yep. But I mean, how else is he going to get a strong but flexible substance? It's not like that dude could afford latex all the time. But he can't afford a pair of knitting needles. And he just has to dye it, right? Yeah, he yeah. just has to dye it. And you know Aunt May taught him how to knit. Or he took home ec. I mean, he was in high school. Or Aunt May also probably taught him how to do a lot of um, sewing and self-care kind of things. Because that's the kind of family they were. Very do-it-yourself, thrifty. I mean, put in a little labor to cover some dollars. Now, for actual other costs, we could throw in the fact that, sure, he was poor, but his buddy was probably footing most of the bills for uh, rent, which he was getting from his dad. And Peter can lie about money problems, because he could say, oh, I needed uh, $10 for a taxi. And everyone believes it because he's poor. But then he doesn't need to spend $10 on a taxi, because he can just swing along. So that's $10 that's... Uh, He's like, oh, I'm short, but he's pocketed away for Spider-Man related activities like spare clothes or spider suit dye. So you heard it here first, Spider-Man knits. But now for the real question, why does J. Jonah Jameson hate Spider-Man? I mean, the guy is helping his newspaper make money in the 21st century, which newspapers are a dying industry. So you'd figure that anything that earns money for his paper would be a great thing. I think it's less that uh, Jameson hates Spider-Man so much as that Jameson questions everyone's motivations. 
He's got the mind of a skeptic and a cynic. He literally says in the movie, why is he wearing a mask? What has he got to hide? Because that's the sort of thing that he has always been asking his entire career and has been built upon answering those questions. And he does value journalistic integrity, actually. Yeah, we see that. Because when the Green Goblin busts in and starts trying to go, who's the photographer that gets the pictures of Spider-Man? He denies knowing that it's Peter Parker. Even Peter's right there. J. Jonah Jameson is no snitch. Yeah. So he just like... He wants to have sources, and there are no sources on Spider-Man. But another thing, too, J. Jonah Jameson was made in the 60s. So um, the actor was just portraying his the 60s J. Jonah Jameson, where it wasn't that the newspapers weren't a dying industry. That's how the character was portrayed. So, I mean, good on... I can't remember his name, but the actual actor's name. Is it a... But basically, let's just... Let's see. Do we agree on this? He is the best cast ca- uh, comic book character ever. Yes. 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 That is. That is J. Jonah Jameson. There's, you know. Oh, J.K. Simmons. That's his name. Yeah. It's J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. He does this great uh, Jameson like perfectly because he's got the antagonism, but he also like just falls sometimes. Like you, you blink and you miss it. Like. He's, he's all like, oh, yeah, I'm not paying more than this amount for these pictures. And Peter's like, oh, I'm going to take it elsewhere. And then he's like, nope, I'm going to pay you this no, amount. No, sit down. Yes. And he's all like, you don't have a job. Contract work. And But they know he has a job. He's kind of contrary. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those, yeah, he, uh, he doesn't really hate Spider-Man. He just doesn't trust Spider-Man because he doesn't have any solid information. And he, I think he has his own biases as well. Does New York City need a superhero saving everyone's problem? Isn't that what the police are for? Yeah, he's kind of anti-vigilante. So, you know, he trusts the city's resources. This isn't Gotham. This is New York. All right, so here's a question for you. Why doesn't Mary Jane recognize Peter's voice? I mean, she's talking to Peter all the time. And then she also talks to Spider-Man. I was going to say, is she really talking to Peter, though, or is Peter just there? Well, earlier on, no. Like, she recognizes Peter Parker as a person, like an acquaintance. But later on in the the movie, in the story, when they hang out and, you know, she's dating his roommate, she has a lot more interaction with him. But it's also, she doesn't have a ton of interaction with Spider-Man. She's only saved, like, two or three times. And if this is over the course of a year... That's not enough to, like, fully... She might recognize the voice unless Spider-Man throws his voice a little bit. Which he might. He might have a... Uh, no, he definitely does. A Spider-Man voice. He he puts it a little gruffer. Not quite to Batman levels. Not No, not the gravel voice, but Spider-Man does throw his voice a smidge. Yeah, and he does try and sound, like, more detached around her, too. He's also a lot more flippant when he's Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man tells jokes. Peter Parker does not. Peter Parker Parker is awkward. Spider-Man lets Peter Parker come out of his shell. So I guess I'd make him Snail Man then. Puts on puts on a different shell. The spider shell. He's like a mascot. He can be someone different. Or the internet. Which means that Peter Parker probably would have been a troll if he hadn't found out about great power and great responsibility. So next plot hole. Why does Norman want to team up with Spider-Man? I mean, they're supposed to be mortal enemies uh, selfishly battling until everyone dies. 
At least that's the what Norman said, or Green Goblin said. They're basically one of the same. So I think also adds in specifically that Norman wants glory for himself, and uh, sharing the spotlight with Spider-Man goes against that. But Norman isn't about glory for himself. Green Goblin is about acting out on your dark impulses that you've held back. Like, you know, he's finds himself where he can't control um, the contract and the money, where he's threatened to lose his business. And, you know, so- socially and civilly, he can't really do anything about that. But the Green Goblin can. But the Green Goblin can. And so he sees Spider-Man as someone else who is extraordinary. And if they work together, think of all the great things that they could do for Norman. I also think it could be kind of a, not a power move, but just kind of keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Green Goblin at this point doesn't know what Spider-Man is, so he needs to keep him on his radar. Yeah, Spider-Man stopped him before, but you know, maybe Spider-Man just needs to work for him. It's like a little bit of his businessman inside. You could, uh, someone has a scientist, get him to work for you. He sees value in Spider-Man. Just like he saw value in Peter Parker and was like, yeah, I can get you a job. You're a smart kid. Foreshadowing. He wanted to team up with Peter Parker. He's willing to team up with Spider-Man. All right. What's what's the next plot hole? Our next one is why does the Green Goblin try to lure Spider-Man with a fire? I mean, was Spider-Man known for fighting fires? I mean, of all the crimes in New York, that seems like one of the least effective ones for Spider-Man to attempt to fight. There's a lack of bad guys to punch or arrest with webbing. Yeah, but Spider-Man also likes to save people. And to be honest, starting a fire is pretty easy. Didn't he also say it was like a moth to the flame? Like he knew that Spider-Man would be drawn to saving people? Yeah. And, you know, a mugging, that's over in a couple seconds. A fire, though, why that's a couple hours of fun. Yeah, and, you know, it's repeatable. You just kind of keep going until Spider-Man shows up. Yeah, and, you know, he can keep going it. Plus, it means that he's in a enclosed location. He can choose the spot where it happens, know where Spider-Man's going to enter from, know that Spider-Man's not going to see him before Spider-Man gets in. And if the suit is fireproof, which we can presume it is, because he didn't seem to care about fire at all, then, really, he has nothing to worry about. He can burn buildings down on himself all day. And wait for Spider-Man to show up and be a hero. So, uh, once Norman learns Peter's Spider-Man, why doesn't he just kill him? I think that would be too easy. Like, Norman slash the Green Goblin are egotistical. They want Spider-Man to know that he beat Spider-Man. Spider-Man lost to... That's why he went after Aunt May. That's why he went after Mary Jane. He had to make Spider-Man regret his decision to be to be a better person. Or to be a good guy, you know... Maybe he still was holding out hope. Remember that whole monologue about you don't uh, go for their uh, body or their mind first. You gotta go for their heart. Green Goblin was all about, you know, crushing his hopes. Yeah. Gotta make him regret not choosing me. That extra bit of salt. If you kill him, then he's just dead. He can't regret not teaming up. And let's see, near the end of the movie, Green Goblin says, I'm going to go kill Mary Jane because you selfishly saved her. So now, because you pissed me off, I'm going to make her death nice and slow. So he's obviously relishing in the chance to do continual harm to people, not the quick and easy. Plus, maybe on some level, he doesn't think he can actually kill Spider-Man. 
Like, as is, he's pretty sure that Spider-Man would beat him in a straight fight. So he's like, well, how do I break Spider-Man first? And that's where we go for the heart attack. All right, last plot hole for the Bustle website. So why does Spider-Man cover for the Green Goblin? I mean, Green Goblin literally killed dozens of people. Maybe not dozens, but it was up there. Um, I'd say it's a lot is because he views that, you know, when Norman says, I was forced to by the Green Goblin, um, Peter could tell that it wasn't 100% a lie. And he viewed all the, like, positive effects from Norman and figured that destroying his legacy won't really hurt the Green Goblin. I mean, he's dead. It's not going to give people a lot of uh, actual catharsis. I assume it also comes down to he can't reveal himself to his best friend. He has to keep his, the secret identity and by saying, hey, by the way, this is your dad. He killed a lot of people. Because at this point, he only had the one suit and the suit was destroyed. Yeah. He could not hide his secret identity. So he chose that over the the truth coming out. I mean, but well, you know, why doesn't he like just let the general populace know that it was Norman? Maybe he tried to, and J. Jonah Jameson changed the changed the narrative. No, because he just brings in the his body and leaves him in his uh his house, and then we don't see the glider or the the suit again. Maybe, much like you know, we we want Harvey Dent to be a hero in Batman. He wants Norman Osborn to you know not be remembered as a villain, but as someone who was supporting World Unity Day. Yeah, that that's my thought. Because the closure wouldn't really get a whole lot of things for these people. There'd be a lot of lawsuits and a lot of people going after some of that Osborne money. Yeah. And, and that, that would just destroy uh, Harry. And I don't think, like, even if a person sued and got money, they'd be unhappy because they didn't get enough money. Or, like, they, that's what I'm saying is there'd be no real catharsis. No, it wouldn't make the world a better place. Any more than Green Goblin did. Basically, they need to set up the next movie. Or, or leave that thread. Yeah. Because he doesn't actually go evil till the third movie. Well, he kind of does in the second movie, doesn't he? Second movie is where he gets the like resolve to. And... Oh yeah, he finds out at the very end of the second movie when Doc Ock gives him Spider-Man. He finds out it's actually Peter Parker. Then the third is where he's like, okay. And it's also where he finds out his dad was really Green Goblin, Green Goblin from the butler. So anyways... We'll, we'll talk about that in the next show. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Our next Spider-Man next show. Next Spider-Man. So guys, Spider-Man. I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's definitely an early 2000s movie. It, it doesn't flow the same as an MCU Spider-Man movie. And considering all the actors are like in their 30s, it's hard to believe that they're in high school. Yeah, but they don't stay in high school for very long. But all in all, it's a really fun movie. Yeah, like I say, overall, it's one of the best Spider-Man that's not... Let's see, there's been five Spider-Man? No, six Spider-Mans. Because there's Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. three. The Amaz- two Amazings. The two Amazings. So that's five. Then the Homecoming, and then we'll have... Into the Spider-Verse. Does that count, though? It is a Spider-Man movie. It is a Spider-Man. Okay, so... Into the Spider-Verse. So, okay, there's going to be seven movies, including The Far From Home, which is coming out around the time that this episode drops. A couple weeks after. So, so out of the seven Spider-Man movies, or... Is it eight? I don't know. It's one of the best. That's not saying much because I'd say the average Spider-Man movie quality is fairly high, especially if we get rid of the two Amazings. The Amazing... I haven't seen the second Amazing Spider-Man. I heard it wasn't very good. Yeah, I saw the first one and that one wasn't all that very good either. 
I think it was better than the third Sam Raimi Spider-Man, but that's not hard. Yeah. I think actually that one's better if you go through it with some changes on perspective. Like, you know, uh, uh, emo Spider-Man. Yeah. The like, cause, cause if you go through watching that, thinking that as this is Spider-Man acting this way because he's still a nerd inside. And this is what he thinks being cool is. And that the, the symbiote, Oh, do we count the Venom movie as a Spider-Man movie? No, because it doesn't have Spider-Man in it. Okay, but it's a Spider-Man character. Still not a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Anyways, that one wasn't very good anyways. Like, it was okay, but it wasn't... It was fun. It's not one you you should watch more than once. So the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, I think, work really well as standalone films, like its own trilogy. I don't think it would have worked in conjunction with the MCU, but I don't think, like, the Tom Holland Spider-Man would be able to work as just a Spider-Man, where if there wasn't an MCU around it, it wouldn't be the same. Because it, it depends a lot on the on Iron Man actually fulfilling the, the father role figure. Yeah, like this outside force, or um, they work around the concept of the villains being kind of this low-level villain. Which I do think is nice. I mean, a lot of movies come out with, oh, this is a world-ending event. Well, why don't we call the Avengers? No, 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 they're busy. Whereas with the Homecoming, it's just some guy. Why would we call the Avengers for some low-level gun dealer? Yeah. Whereas, I mean, can you imagine, like, the Dr. Octopus rampaging and them not calling in Avengers of some level? Or some member of the uh, other MCU showing up to help? But yeah. Now, that's not to say they don't have their good parts. Yeah, the MCU definitely benefits from the shared universe. I mean, it's the only movie universe that actually succeeded, I think. I mean, I guess the DC one kind of the is. The DC one keeps going. It's go- It's getting better. Yeah, and we'll see how the Godzilla one turns out. That's true, but that one, as of right now, like, I assume we're just going off the legendary one, right? Yeah, it's the legendary. It only has the one. Two well, movies. Two. Oh, it- but they're not really connected yet. So... The next one is the Kong one, so... But anyways, we'll we'll save that for the Kaiju Corner. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's little things, like, uh, I'd say this version of Aunt May is tied for Best Aunt May with Spider-Verse Aunt May. Because mm-hmm. they're both awesome in slightly different ways. This Aunt May wins points for the most grandma. Yeah, she's very much Aunt May-ish. But the other Aunt May is funny and kind of, kind of awesome, so... Makes up for loss and grandma with a little bit of badass. And then, though, the Tom Holland um, Spider-Man car ride scene, where the Vulture figures out that he's Spider-Man, and he figures out that he's the Vulture, is just really well done. And well, it's a lot better he, than he, the Green Goblin figuring out that Sp- Peter Parker's Spider-Man at the dinner. Because Spider-Man knew, like, before then. Like, he was aware in the car ride scene, but it was just all the little hints that let the Vulture know. That was a really good scene. Yeah, just like that that was really well done. It made it really tense. Whereas, you know, you're just kind of at the dinner scene with Green Goblin. Green Goblin's figuring it out, but Peter Parker isn't. And so there's no like real conflict other than the fact that you you know that it's the Green Goblin finding out that it's Peter Parker. Also, um it's canon within this universe that Bruce Campbell um gave Spider Man his name. Yep. Well, Bruce Cam- Campbell did tons of things in this universe. He's been in every it's been a different character in every single movie. As has uh, Ted Raimi. Who? But I think he's consistently the assistant reporter. Oh, uh-huh. Whereas Bruce Campbell starts off as the announcer, becomes a Mater D, and then what is... I can't remember what he is in the third one, but... 
that's not important. We just know that he's in there. Yeah, he's there. But yeah, so uh, these are really good Spider-Man movies. And I think some people give them hate, but mostly that maybe they forgot how f- just fun they are. I also, I think they're not realizing that spider superhero movies at this time were not popular. No. And they were, they weren't mainstream. They were definitely nerd movies. Until this one came out. Until this one. I think Batman also helped to solidify. Well, yeah, it was um, X-Men, especially X-Men 2, mm-hmm. which one's, which is pretty good. And Spider-Man was good. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is awesome. Is the best Spider-Man movie. Let's see. If we were to rank them, Spider-Man 2 is obviously obviously the best. I'm just wondering where I would put Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. All right. That is hard. So, because I like them for different reasons. Me, personally, I would probably go Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, Homecoming, um, Spider-Man 3, and then the two amazing movies. With the second amazing being the bottom probably i haven't seen it so i can't really give it a rating but but you haven't bothered to see it so that kind of is a rating in and of itself yeah like you watched the previews you knew what you were expecting from the previous one i didn't watch any of the previews oh i didn't like i honestly did not like the amazing spider-man that much no was not very good yeah so for spider-man films probably i like into the spider-verse the most i i really enjoyed that one uh spider-man 2 then Spider-Man 1, I have never actually watched the third one in the Sam Raimi films. Oh. I don't, I, I think I was on my mission when it No, came you out. weren't on, because I was on my mission when it came out, so you uh, wouldn't have been on yours. So I just never got around to it, and then by the time I thought, by the time I was like, yeah, I should probably get around to that, everybody's like, yeah, you didn't really miss out on that one, sorry. Because I, I saw it in the dollar theater right when I got home. So if it was in the dollar theater when I got home, it was it came out during the middle of mine. So yeah, I think I go 2-1, Spider-Verse, Homecoming, 3, and then The Amazings. But like most of those top ones are going to be like right next to each other. Kind of like, you know, one's like a 10.0 and one's a 9.9 and another's 9.7. And then we'll drop a bit yeah. and then we'll drop a lot. So like 1 and Spider-Verse are probably... Like tied for second place. Yeah, slightly slight edge to one over Spider Verse. Well, that might change over time because Spider Verse was pretty good. I need I need to watch it again. It's that's actually one. I so we rented it from the Red Box and I liked it enough to I'd want to buy it, but not enough to pay like the twenty five dollars for the Blu Ray for it. Ah, uh, so I'm waiting for Black Friday before I get it. <laughs> How you rate things? Ah, uh, this is a buy on Black Friday movie. Well, this is a buy at any price movie. No, most of the movies I buy are Black Friday buy movies. Like I bought the Stranger Things seasons because they were like nine bucks for the Blu-rays. So it's like, you know what? I'm not buying anything at full price anymore. It's Black Friday movie. All right. You heard it here first. Eric's a cheapskate. Don't buy anything at full price because with great power comes great responsibility. And the power to buy something means you should buy it for less. That's true. So, uh, I think, is that it for tonight, guys? Or this episode? I think so. I think we basically talked about, you know, we like the movie. Sure, there are problems with it, but I think it's just kind of growing pains. Yeah. Like, it's one of the first super, not the first superhero movie, obviously, that goes to, to Superman, the 1970s one. But it was, let's see, the... I'd so, say it's the first modern superhero. The, because I'm trying to remember... 
when did the Batman, it, when was it Batman versus Robin or when did, cause you had the slew of bad Batman movies and that kind of all, I think that almost killed the superhero genre. Uh, yeah, it did kill it in a form cause you know, they didn't stop coming out with them cause we had Spider-Man and well, X-Men, but, but there was a big, there was a couple years worth of waiting. Yeah. They did kill them for a while. Um, was it, it was, so yeah, Batman and Robin, what was the next one? Batman Forever. Um, Batman Forever. But, okay, so basically, and that one was, I think, 97, or was it 98? Um, 95. Okay, so we have, excluding the X-Men movie, which came out in 2000 or 2001, so we have like a six-year period of no superhero movies, where they had been consistently coming out every few, every two or three years since the 80s Batman but they were mostly Batman, weren't they? Yeah. But yeah, so that's, yeah, we're going to give a Spider-Man credit for starting the modern superhero trend. That and X-Men. Well, I don't, I don't give it X-Men. I, they were first, but they didn't get it going. Anyways, we'll, we'll talk about that one when we do an X-Men show, maybe. Which might be next, actually. Yeah, because Dark Phoenix is coming out soon. So. Yeah, so we'll do, do one to X-Men or X2. Oh, I don't know. Let's find the one with the bigger list of plot holes. That's what. That's how we decide things sometimes. But anyways, let us know what you think. Which was the better movie, X-Men or Spider-Man? Which is your uh, favorite Spider-Man in the, the ranking? And would you build your own robot suit and be a villain like Eric? Or do you choose to have superpowers given to you by nature like a superhero? What about Carnage? Carnage was had his powers given to him. And he's a monster. He's an alien. Aliens work under different rules. They're also always evil. Unless you're the Martian Manhunter. He's still a little evil. What about Superman? Also very evil. How is he very evil? He is Have literally... Have you never read Red Sun? No, that's communism that's bad. Anyways. That's, communi- that's also Superman that's bad. <laughs> communism was the red herring. What like about us injustice? on Facebook at Flot Spackle and leave a comment. You can also leave us a Twitter comment in 280 characters or less at Plot Spackle Pod. Or you can just send us an email with your le- with your list of why Sam Raimi Spider-Man is better than the Amazing Spider-Man at plotspacklepodcast at gmail.com. Also, we'd like to invite you to join us on our Patreon page. You can join the other beautiful people there in helping us produce this show. We really appreciate that. Or we really appreciate our patrons. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And... Don't forget to engage in spirited debates with your friends about pointless things like superheroes. Also remember that with great power comes a great electric bill.